Well, I was, uh, I'm extremely happy to be here, and thank you for bringing me. And I was very happy to find that there were some old friends going to be here, uh, high among them Frank McCourt. But uh, I was very unhappy to find out that I had to follow Frank McCourt this morning. And I said to Frank, uh, Frank, please promise me one thing. Uh, he said, what's that? And I said, well, promise me that you won't be funny. And uh, I said, talk about death. You know, talk about something that nobody will laugh about. He said, I'll talk about my three mothers-in-law. <laughs> Whereupon I laughed, so I said, no, nothing will work, you see. But uh, when I found out that I had a very few minutes to, to talk to you and to, to say my, my pearls of wisdom to you all, all, in, all in eight minutes, I think, um, I realized that what it meant was that I should try to say to you something that nobody else could say, um, which is a tall order, isn't it? Um, but it's what, I don't know how much poetry you read or ever will read uh, or will have the luck to read. Uh, it's uh, something that uh, poets know all about. I mean, every poet wants to write something that no other poet could ever write. When I was just over 20, uh, I worked for the English, I worked as a tutor in the family of the English poet Robert Graves. And Robert said, Robert was very, very strict about a number of things. And he said, you should uh, never write anything that anybody else can write. I mean, you should try never to write anything that anybody else can write, if I write a poem. Uh, Rilke, the great Austrian poet of the early 20th century, was very eager not only not to write anything that anybody else could write, but never to write anything that was really what he'd already written before. Um, and the reason for this is a kind of integrity, uh, but it's a kind of recognition that things, everything, happens once. You're born once. You learn to talk once. You, uh, you fall in love once. You make every mistake once. Uh, you may make it more than once, but uh, it, it, it's a different mistake the second time, even if it seems to be the same one. Your mistakes are very important, and you should pay very close attention to them. <clears throat> the, um, one of the things that I can tell you that nobody's been telling you this morning, although some people have got close to it, uh, is that when you're, when you're young, and maybe for most of your life, you're very interested in getting from here to there. You're very interested in finding the answer to the question. You forget about the question in looking for the answer. But the question is really much more interesting than the answer. Once you get to the answer, you think you're there. And you're never there, that's the, that's the point. I mean, the proof of it is that, you know, you're gonna be hungry again. You wanna go, gonna go out to the bathroom again. You're gonna go get tired and wake up again. You've gotta do all of those things over again. Um, the, 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 uh, the fascination with the answer, which is indeed terribly important, uh, should not ever obliterate 
the deep respect, our endless respect for the question itself. The question is the thing that goes on opening out and, and teaching you things. Uh, I think the great, the great prophet of American literature, the, to me, the, the one to whom, I, to whom I have the deepest gratitude was Henry David Thoreau, uh, who was, um, thank you, Frank, it's, uh, who is uh, seldom taught in, uh, very, very carefully in colleges. I mean, Emerson, whom I revere too, but Emerson is, Emerson is a little bit easier, but Thoreau, Thoreau, um, Thoreau is not, not interested in being respectable. Uh, he's not interested in saying the right thing. Thoreau is interested in, in something that he hasn't found yet. And he says, he says at one point in the uh, long opening section of Walden, he called economy, he says, he talks about your ignorance. And he says, how can a man find his ignorance? He said the ignorance is the thing that is going to really bring you out of yourself. It's really going to make you, make you evolve. It's really going to turn you into a, 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 a new person all the time. He said, how can a person find his ignorance if he has to use his knowledge all the time? The, your knowledge is wonderful. It's terribly important. Uh, but in the, in, the, in the long run, it's, 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 it's a delusion. I mean, it makes you feel that you really know it. You really know what the mystery of this planet is. You really know about where we are, where we are in time and space and in the great darkness of creation, uh, of, excuse me, of, of the world as it is. Um, the other thing that I think your ignorance uh, may lead you to is a sense that uh, you are uh, a great paradox, that uh, you are only yourself and that you are connected to everything else at the same time. You're, uh, you, you only apparently happen once, each thing happens once, and yet the whole of the past and the future are part of that once. Uh, these things are happening all the time, and I believe that the respect for your ignorance um, may lead you to the sense that everything is connected, that we are connected with those those tiny creatures that we were just looking at through a microscope, that we are not separate from, from any other form of life, that it is all one thing and it runs all the way through into our own creations, that, that the thing that makes us separate, uh, distinct rather than separate from uh, the rest of life, is not any of the things that have been claimed for us, not intelligence, not language, not grammar, not any of those things, all of those things, in my belief, we share with the rest of life. Uh, and uh, we're very lucky to share them. That's, that's, that's the great piece of luck that we've got, as long as we've got it. But the, somewhere along the line, and we don't know when, um, we developed a new faculty. It's still part of the natural world. It's still, it still belongs right here. But it is um, something that on the one side is compassion, 
and the other side, it's imagination. The imagination and, and compassion are part of each other. And compassion is something, is something that really is, I think, unique to our kind, uh, uh, compassion of the kind I'm thinking about. I mean, um, it is, one can certainly find animals that pay attention when the stellar sea cows were being exterminated in the, in the 19th century by Russians off the Alaskan coast, uh, they would be caught out on the, on the outside when they, when they were helpless, and they, people would go out and just either spear them or club them to death. And the other stellar sea cows would come around trying to help them, um, and they would get killed too. The, there's, there is some, certainly sympathy among other creatures, and that's the beginning of it. But compassion is our care for these, uh, for these creatures. Our care, not for our, necessarily for our own sake, but for theirs. This doesn't happen nearly often enough. We are not creatures of compassion. We are, we are creatures capable of compassion. And we've all got some of it in us, just as we all have violence and, and, and murderous instincts in us. This is where I think uh, the, the imagination comes from, this ability to put ourselves in the posi position of uh, those baby albatrosses that there was that wonderful photograph of with their, with their guts dying, d dead of, the, of having their guts full of thrown away cigarette lighters and bottle caps, the fished up in the middle of the Pacific. Um, we care about that. What other species cares about that? Um, and I think that compassion, that link, that continuum that we share with the rest of life is the root of some, this, this amazing, to me, uh, gift to ourselves that we have and that we, that we don't pay enough, that we don't appreciate uh, as, as, as we ought to, which is uh, the arts. The, I mean, the arts, the arts are not commodities. They are, they, I mean, they're all those things. They're all the other things that we know about. They're all part of the glitter and, and, and that. But they're, uh, they're incredibly intimate. They're each one of us, each one of us, whatever the art is that we care about, whether it's music or painting or poetry, uh, only we see it, only we hear it, only, we, only, only we, we get it, and we get it differently each time, and it speaks to us all the time, and it feeds us, it nourishes us. It nourishes some part of ourselves which is, again, our ignorance. We don't know what it is. It's the thing that keeps us alive, that makes us happy, that makes us able to love our lives, uh, that, that uh, that, that makes us ourselves. So that what I want to suggest is whatever you're doing, um, what you want to be watching for, I think, and this is certainly true, I mean, any, any artist knows this, uh, is to, to be doing what only you can be doing. Uh, uh, if, you, if you're not doing what only you can be doing, and this, your ignorance is terribly important in this, um, you're gonna start feeling miserable. You're gonna feel that you're doing the wrong thing. Wh whatever, however neatly you're fulfilling 
all the expectations that were brought in and, and laid in front of you and all about doing the right thing. <clears throat> you may find yourself in, in middle life uh, rich and successful with all the things that are necessary, but think, something's the matter, you know, this isn't the life I wanted. Why isn't it? Who, who were you listening to? Whose expectations were you listening to? Instead of listening to your ignorance. Um, so what I want to, wanted to leave you with was some sense that you should, that, that your, your ignorance is a, is a great gift to you. It's something that you carry, you're never gonna get rid of it. However smart and wise and how much you know, you're never gonna get rid of that, fortunately, because it's what you are. And uh, it's the link with your imaginations, with your compassion, with all the things that really matter. Um, and uh, it's the thing that you may hear in Mozart and that Mozart may be telling you and that uh, you may be able to see in Rembrandt uh, and that Rembrandt and Vermeer and that girl pouring a pitcher of milk uh, the most startling image in painting to me is that, is that, is that milk pouring out of the pitcher. Um, why is that so? I don't know. That's where I'd leave you.